This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30-day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried The Alcohol Experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hey everybody, it's Scott Penyard, head coach at This Naked Mind, and I am back with another episode of Coaching Questions with another fantastic Naked Mind coach. This is Lorna Wilson. How are you, Lorna? I am just awesome. How are you, Scott? I'm great, especially because I get to Good. spend time with you today. Uh, Lorna, oh, so you uh, you specialize in working with people over 60 who want to mm. change their drinking for sort of health and wellness reasons, uh, not necessarily people who deem themselves an alcoholic. For those of you listening, I'm using quotation fingers um, that you know need to change because maybe life is falling apart. And these people kind of have a hard time making that switch. Can you talk to me mm. a little bit about that? Because I've talked to a lot of people who are in that area. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it, it, it starts actually with my own story. So, you know, I'm, I'm 65. And, and um, you know, when I when I became a, a coach with this naked mind, that was the individuals that I was really the most passionate about, because I know what it's like to be feeling that, you know, you're, maybe you're, you know, starting to near retirement or whatever. And now you're looking at your life and your health, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, what, what's happened, you know, what's happened in the last number of years. So um, yeah, just, you know, looking at uh, trying to talk to individuals and coach with them around, you know, this naked mind and the methodology. When I found it, it was life changing. And uh, I'm really excited to be doing this work. That's awesome. I, yeah, the idea of which I noticed uh, in, in kind of what you sent me about your niche is the idea of not considering themselves an alcoholic but still mm-hmm. wanting to make that change. Um, For sure. I feel like that's yeah. an interesting distinction because that mm-hmm. term is something that a lot of people run away from, right? That label is something mm-hmm. that, that is, I think, heavily stigmatized. So what, yeah. when people come to you and work with you, like what, how do they, do they define themselves? Like how do they tell you that they want to make this change? No, it's, it's really more about, um, I think, a curiosity, like, you know, mm-hmm. they've got the stigma of, okay, what is an alcoholic and thinking that it's got to be someone that's, you know, really challenged with, with, you know, drinking and down and out and all that sort of thing when they know that they're not, but what they do know is that they are waking up probably way too often uh, during any given week and yeah. feeling really not that great. And so, you know, the term alcoholic doesn't fit. I, I never felt that I was fully functioning. I had, you know, a pretty high profile job within our city. I was well known. Um, I was in the media often, um, you know, but <laughs> it was stressful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because of that, uh, that was my go-to, you know, the wine witch uh, around five o'clock was 
was where I was at. But what I have said to anyone, and I, I today I still don't identify that it was, you know, alcoholic per se, yeah. but alcohol is addictive. And yeah. I learned a lot, you know, when I, when I started to read Annie's book and, and doing, doing all the Google searches that everybody does. Yeah, I, I love that. One of the things that you said, actually, in the last answer is something that I think is really important to this process, and that is curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, just this idea of, you know, my life is one way right now. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about what would happen, right? I'm curious, not I have to change, not I must change, not someone forcing me to change, but I'm curious what would happen. And that mm-hmm. element of curiosity is a big part of what we do at This Naked Mind, as you know, right? Like going into an alcohol mm-hmm. experiment, we encourage mm-hmm. people uh, to, to really just be open, be curious about it. Don't go in with expectations. Um, mm-hmm. Where are some of the places, either in your own journey or with some of your clients, where you've seen that curiosity lead people? Well, it, it, the exploration of, of just understanding what alcohol does to you. You know, I remember reading in, in Annie's book uh, about, you know, alcohol is ethanol. And yeah. my, my dad was a, a sales rep for an, for an oil company. And we, and we used to spend our summers going from, you know, gas station to gas station as he was doing his work and we were supposedly having holidays. And I can remember the smell of ethanol. And the day I read that, it was just so eye-opening going, oh my God. And, you know, I think how she talks about it in the book is, you know, and we just dress it up into something that's fancy. So it, you know, that, that curiosity and the learning of, of all of the things that alcohol was doing was what I'd been searching for for a long time. I wanted to know the science behind it. I wanted to know what is this doing to my body? Because I thought once I've got that understood, I think I'm going to be able to just drop this and mm-hmm. and move away from it. And you know, I did an alcohol experiment. I did the intensive. I mean, it wasn't immediate, <laughs> but I yeah. definitely it was the curiosity that was moving me along. And with clients, that's what I see is the same thing. You know, we're intelligent human beings. We, but all of a sudden, there's these different things. Um, the marketing of alcohol. We live in a in where I live in Western Canada. We're in a wine region. I mean, mm. I, I'm surrounded right now today with, by 50 wineries and wow. um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I used to, I used to work in um, arts and culture and anyways, the, lots of wine, put it that way. And so one understanding about just that, the fact that you're around it so much and the marketing of it. And um, it, it, it was all based that was that curiosity that drove me and got me to understand in essence what that substance that ethanol was actually doing to me and it wasn't pretty yeah well I think you know it's interesting because a big part of what we talk about that you sort of hit on is I don't know I guess I'll call them the sort of hidden truths of alcohol right the the parts of this Mm. that they're not hidden in the sense that no one knows them they're hidden in the sense that we just don't talk about it Right. Like we don't talk about the fact Like you'll never hear. Well, not on at least an alcohol industry commercial that alcohol is ethanol. 
right? Mm -hmm. You'll never hear uh, in an alcohol ad, hey, we are manipulating your emotions so that you think our product will do what you feel you need, right? Mm -hmm. um, that for me was massive yeah, in a similar way to what you were talking about. Like I remember reading the book and um, suddenly opening my eyes to, whoa, like look at these ads. I never really mm -hmm. paid them attention. Right. I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, especially like I remember there's one for some reason, I don't know why I lived in New York for a number of years and there was a subway ad, I think it was for Jose Cuervo. And mm -hmm. I remember the picture of it so clearly, I don't know why, uh, but obviously what that means is that I saw it multiple times, right? I would see it while I was waiting for a train. I would see it while I was riding on a train through a station and like it made an imprint on me. And it was really mm -hmm. sort of implying the idea that like, if you drink, you won't be alone. Well, at the time I was very, very lonely. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was something that, uh, that was something that I used to, that I used to use as a reason to go out, right? Well, I can't sit yeah. here alone. I got to go to the bar, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, yeah. the point, the point I'm making though, is it's the curiosity about these things of like, maybe there's something different happening here, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. maybe the, the, the problem isn't you, Lorna, maybe the problem mm -hmm. is the conversation. Maybe the problem is, oh. the and that's absolutely. 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 And then coming to the place too of, you know, it, this, it's not your fault. You know, yes. the, the, yeah. that was huge. That, that was, you know, again, um, a real shift in my thinking and, you know, wow, you know, if you consume this over time, you know, it, there's things will happen and they were happening yes. and granted it, it took me a number of years, but into my fifties, you know, one glass of wine suddenly was four or five. Yep. And uh, wasn't, wasn't wanting that. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I totally mm -hmm. hear you. All right, we have to, I could talk about this all day because I love the idea yes. of curiosity, but I want to dive into some questions. For sure. So here is question number one. Mm -hmm. Hi all, I have an issue that I'm sure isn't unique to me, but nevertheless, it's something that I'm having a hard time getting sorted. I am 32 days alcohol-free and I feel great with one major exception, my marriage. While my husband has said he supports me, he has not changed any of his drinking behavior. Most nights are okay, but on the weekends, he drinks more and it's been tough for me. I, it's not so much that I'm worried about drinking myself. It's, that's absolutely not what I want, but it's that I feel like there is a widening gap between us. Have you seen people, how, sorry, how have you seen people handle this in the past? Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, big question and often comes up right in, in marriages. I know it did certainly for me. And I, th I think the first thing is, you know, when is, is that we need to focus on ourselves, you know, obviously, and, and really it's about, about that self-care and, and looking at the why you're doing it. And, and it really is about you and about getting healthy and within the context of the relationship, um, you know, I, I just found for myself that I, if I was spending time focused on me and focused on getting this out of my life, etc., uh, I found that my drinking buddy, who was my husband, started to really become curious himself in, yes. okay, what's going on with her and things are a bit different. And were there times where it, you know, I was annoyed? Absolutely. In the beginning, for sure. Mm -hmm. But then I just started to, you know, I, I decided to do a bit of a mind shift. And, and this is what I talk to clients about is, you know, looking at him with love, 
and looking at him for the person that he is. And he's an amazing guy. And if I just focused on all the, the great things that he does, then I, would, I was able to just sort of leave that behind. Scott, what happened eventually was down the road, alcohol became you know, a non-thing in my world. And suddenly it was a non-thing in his too. And yes. one day I said to him, I said, you know, I'd really, I'd love it if you'd read the book, just so you understood you know, what I was learning. And he said, sure. And there, and there you go. Now he's not hundred percent alcohol free. He has a couple mm -hmm. glasses of wine at Christmas or whatever, but he's not my drinking buddy anymore. And, and so it can happen. Um, but you start with yourself. Yeah. Right? I love that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and first I want to say to this person who wrote in like 32 days, I mean, this email's kind big of time, awesome. that now, but way to yeah, go. That's on that. good. Um, yeah. You know, yes, this is something I see all the time in my programs. And it's interesting to hear you tell that story about your husband, Lorna, um, because I have multiple stories like that from uh, from our programs where someone starts a program and they're saying, hey, like, I don't know what to do about this. Like I had one one lady um, who I gave a tactic to, which I'm going to give in a second. Um, eventually, like at one point in the program I was like things are going like totally off the rails. I don't want to. I don't know what I'm going to do to at the end, uh, her husband actually joined us on one of the calls, uh, to actually oh, talk cool. about. So one thing that I find, uh, very often with people who are going through this process is that when we, when we kind of move, move through the alcohol use disorder spectrum, one of the things that happens is alcohol starts becoming the answer for a lot of different things. And so maybe it's stress. I know for me, it was loneliness. It was anger. Uh, it was absolutely stress. It was anxiety. It was, you know, as that list continues to grow, what happens is we start to lose the ability to say, hey, this is what I actually need, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm, you know, I remember, I remember saying before, and saying this today sounds so crazy to me, but I remember saying before, I'm really tired. I need a drink. And it's like, no, dude you need a nap, right? Like that's, but that's how our brains start to think over time. And the reason that I'm saying this is one thing that I've found to be extremely powerful and very helpful in this, in this situation is getting clear with yourself on what sort of yeah. support do you need from your partner, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's different for everybody. Uh, for me, I, I didn't ask my wife to do anything, actually. Uh, she doesn't really drink that much anyway, so it wasn't really that big of a problem. Um, but I have worked with a lot of people who have spouses that were, like you said, like drinking buddies. Um, and so the process that I normally give them to work through this is first to get very clear to yourself, right? What is it that I need from them? What sort of support yeah. do I need? Um, and to be able to, first of all, identify that, and then secondly, have a conversation with them. Um, mm -hmm. That is a massive growth step because in that process, what you're doing is you're doing something that maybe you haven't done much at all, um, if at all, uh, over the last few years you've been drinking, which is saying, this is what I need and this is what I'm gonna ask for. So just doing that in and of itself is a big step forward. Um, yeah. So first define what it is that you need. Secondly, have that conversation, not from a place of blame and shame or guilt that you're changing them, but just very clearly and openly as your partner in the same way that you might say, um, I don't know, I'm feeling sick today. I need to take the day off of work. Mm -hmm. You can say, hey, partner, 
I don't know if whatever. Hey, partner, like I, uh, you know, I need this, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Maybe it's they don't drink yeah. in the house. Maybe it's they only drink on Tuesdays. Maybe it's you've got a date night a week, whatever that looks like. Um, mm -hmm. So once you have that conversation, you can see what their response is. And sometimes mm -hmm. the response is mm -hmm. like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm on board. Other mm -hmm. times it's not so great, right? Other times mm -hmm. it might not be so supportive. And in that case, you know, being able to say, hey, I'm going to like, that's fine. You want to drink while watching football on Thursday nights? That's totally cool. Thursday nights, I'm going to hang out in my room. I'm going to mm -hmm. go to the wherever, the library. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go for a drive, whatever, whatever that comes up. And so yeah. that process of identifying, speaking to, and then meeting your own needs is going to help you so much in your journey. But then the other thing that happens at the same time is, you, it, you start to kind of plant those seeds um, of questioning in your partner's mind. Um, Absolutely. Again, like, I don't, I don't, I don't encourage people to like force others to change, but by saying that it starts this conversation that keeps going. Yeah. And Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I had, I had similar experience too, of, of just, you know, having that conversation and, and, you know, I remember one, one time in particular and saying, you know, it just, um, as I'm going through this and as I'm learning all of these things, you know, like watching you have three or four glasses of wine in a night is, is, is a challenge. So how yeah. are we going to work through this? And we, we worked it out, you know, similar to what you were just describing. And, and that was a real turning point for us too. And, and made me love him even more. It really did. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I love that you bring that up because, um, the biggest fear I hear with this is my relationship is going to get destroyed. Um, and that, you know, as humans, we tend to, we tend to uh, a lot of times sort of see potential or see like the future is a little bit more negative than it necessarily is. Um, but what I see from my desk of people who go through this process, thousands of people who've gone through this, um, more often, the vast majority of the time, it ends with um, more closeness, not less. Yeah. Is yeah. it scary? Yes, it can be. You know, do you mm -hmm. feel um, worried about how that person is going to respond? Mm -hmm. Of course. But, mm -hmm. you know, what I see over and over and over, and you're right, it takes time. Uh, but over and over and over, it tends to bring people together and not push them apart. Yeah, exactly. Focus on yourself and just, you know, do the work. And, you know, the, the results could be really surprising all the way around. I love it. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to question number two. Question number two is this. One thing I can't seem to shake is guilt and shame about the things I've done while intoxicated. While I don't feel comfortable sharing the details in an email, suffice it to say that there are really three instances, one thing I said and two things I did that have me stuck. I can't seem to let go of the guilt and shame for my behavior. How do I move past this? Hmm. Well, I, you know, it, it, guilt and shame at that, those are just, <laughs> they're so challenging to, to deal with. And certainly, um, getting past them is really important and, and, looking at yourself from the standpoint of, you know, love and self-love uh, is, is certainly a start. 
but those memories, um, you know, of, of the shame, et cetera, is, is really difficult to, to overcome, but you need to. And, you know, shining a light on what that, that shame is, what, what it is that happened. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's a way of, um, you know, with, with rectifying it or being a little bit more open and honest about it in time. I had experiences like that myself where, you know, I had embarrassed myself. I had said some things and done some things and mm-hmm. uh, eventually got to a place where I was able to apologize and, and move past it. Sometimes you can't do that. You know, where we are right now is, you know, now we're on a journey that's healthy and what can we do moving forward? Um, how are we going to be in the future? You know, and, and focusing in on that, that's, yeah. So I, I, did, I don't know if that's similar to the way you would, would respond to this, Scott. But, yeah, no, yeah. it absolutely is. Um, this is another thing, just like the, the spouse or partner thing that comes up all the time. Yeah, it does. You know, I don't know how to square this, this circle. Um, and I think, I hope this isn't too broad, but I feel like pretty much everybody who goes through this process of becoming alcohol free can think of at least one instance. It doesn't need to be like, you know, car crash serious, but I bet people can think of at least one instance when they're like, I wish I hadn't done that. Right now, those are going to come in sort of different, different levels of intensity. Like some people, it's going to be really, really intense. And other people, uh, maybe it's just like, eh, you know, oops, you know, and they can kind of let it go. Um, what I find the guilt and shame, well, there's a few things that I find to be very effective um, in trying to work through the guilt and shame of anything that we may have done. Um, the first thing is a bit of a mindset shift of a reframing of this idea of, aren't I a horrible person because I did this thing? Mm-hmm. There's a really interesting fact and anyone who's in our programs has definitely heard me say this over and over. And I do call it a fact because I cannot think of a single instance in which this isn't actually true. Um, but no one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to ruin my life. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to do the worst job (laughs) that I could possibly do, you know, whether it's at work or whether it's as a parent or a community member or a partner, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. My point is that we all go through our journey, um, the way we say it, doing the best we can with the tools that we have at the time. And that sounds like, oh, wait, are you just letting me off the hook? No, not necessarily, but it's Mm -hmm. about context, right? So this Mm -hmm. one thing that you said and two things that you did, right? Those things happened in context of a bunch of other things, Mm -hmm. right? And so being able to say, wait a minute, yes, I feel guilty about this. Yeah, I was drinking, right? What is the context there? What is, what was your motivation? And I promise you, it wasn't like, I am going to go hurt somebody today, right? Mm -hmm. I am going to go ruin a relationship today. It's almost always when the, with something else going on. So that's the first thing is to really check in with yourself and see if that's true. i bet it is that you have never woken up and said, I'm going to mess things up today. Um, Absolutely. Once you can accept that, moving to the second phase of this, 
is recognizing what were the tools that you had and how did they fail you, right? So I know for me, uh, stress, anxiety, anger, those were things I've already mentioned that I used alcohol to try to control. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work so well, right? But that mm -hmm. was the tool I had. I didn't know how else to control that. I wasn't aware of what else I could do. So when you can put your own story in this context, it's immensely helpful. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. going to completely relieve shame and guilt, but it's going to reframe it in a way that makes it easier for you to continue on your path. And like you said, Lorna, be able to reach, you know, if it's someone you can reach out to and be like, hey, oops. Um, yeah. or if it's someone yeah. that you can, uh, if it's a situation, whatever it is, but no matter what it is, and this is, I guess the last point I'll make, you're stuck with it. It's not yeah. going to change. So the question is, if that situation isn't going to change, what are you going to do to change your mindset and the way you view it so that you can move forward? Absolutely. And changing your mindset too. I just need to, to say that, you know, um, being careful a bit about, uh, about, constantly beating yourself up over things can also keep you stuck. You can just stay in that whirlwind of th that thinking, I'm a bad person, I'm a bad person. And, um, you know, watch it because are you doing that maybe a bit on purpose too, so that you don't have to move forward or, you know, you're, you're not allowing yourself to move forward. So it's, it's, yeah. Moving past it is really, really key and loving yourself and, and honoring what you're doing at right now for the betterment of, of who you want to be in the future is, is where the focus needs to be. Yeah, and there's something that I, I did a whole presentation. Um, maybe I'll use this as a tease. I did a whole presentation on why guilt is selfish, uh, which everyone's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. At, this naked mind live and that's one maybe of the where thing, i heard it <laughs> yeah, well one of the things that one of the things that i think you touched on there is really really important is that like yeah the guilt that you're feeling is somehow serving a purpose for you yes and being able to understand if that is getting you moving you in a healthy direction or an unhealthy direction however you define that is really important yeah. Um, being able to say, wait a minute, I'm just sitting here beating the hell out of myself for no reason, or because I want to feel bad because I think that there's some cosmic scale to balance here. Um, once you can understand what's behind that guilt and shame, I think very often it's easy to, to kind of move forward, but it is really also very easy to just get stuck in this pool of yeah. guilt and shame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Let's do one more. Uh, this is awesome, Lorna. Um, let me see. I will let you choose. Do you want to do a question about uh, being alcohol free? Uh, sorry. Do you want to do a question about uh, wanting to change after being alcohol free? Or do you want to do a question about trying to quit drinking when you're 74 years old? Oh, wow. Both are good. Um, they are. <laughs> well, I th so it, 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 let's do the seventy-four-year-old question. What? What? Awesome. What All right. That let me have to say. let me read that one to you. So here it goes. Hello, this one may be an unusual email for you. 
I am 74 years old and working to finally, in parentheses, uh, change my relationship with alcohol, as you say. Is it really worth it? I feel like this journey may be a tough one. I have many years of drinking experience under my belt. Have you seen people my age change? Does it actually happen? Oh, wow. Yes, <laughs> it does. Um, I, yeah, for sure. I, th I think there's a, um, you know, a, a lot of, um, there's so much wisdom that we have, right? I'm 65 and, you know, you get to a place where you've, you've seen a lot, done a lot. Um, you know what you value, you know what you care about, you know what you love. Um, and so, you know, when you make the decision that you want to make some changes, it's, you know, it's all about the whys, right? It's no different than what, whether you're in your 20s, but what yeah. is the why? You know, what are you doing with your kids these days if you've got children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren? Right. Uh, what will life be like, you know, in the future? And um, I, I coached uh, with a woman recently who was in her, in her mid-70s and, you know, she got to a point where she was filling out her year-long plan of all the things she wanted to do um, because alcohol had been holding her back. She had been stuck in, you know, in a certain way of thinking for so long, but, you know, realized when she put it behind her that there was a big world out there and lots of traveling to do and things to do with a completely different mindset. So I... it's highly possible. That's so cool. I, uh, I have coach, we've worked with uh, a lot of people who have actually had the same question too, you know, mm -hmm. and I love the idea of going back to the whys um, mm -hmm. because the whys are the thing, no matter where we're on, on our journey that start to drive us and mm -hmm. being able to say, you know, for a lot of people, being 74 is a time in your life when there's a lot of opportunity Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned family, that's absolutely part of it. Traveling is part of it. Like there are so many things at that mm -hmm. age that are available to you. Um, and absolutely. being able to understand that and define that in a way that that is motivating to you, I think is, is really, really awesome. Um, and to be direct about it, uh, does it actually happen? Yes, it does. And we, yes. we see it happen all the time. Um, I think it's really interesting if you really kind of unpack this question a little bit, I wish so many times, Lorna, I wish these people were on this, this, this yeah, podcast, the call with you, I could yeah. ask them questions. Yeah. Um, but there's almost a sense of kind of discounting, you know, their mm -hmm. own, the remain, the remain. I'm too old. Have yeah. Here. And yeah. that is so sad to me because I know that, you know, people are, are valuable and I know that they don't look back on the rest of their life and say, was that whole mm -hmm. thing a waste? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think reframing this to say, instead of to say, man, is it too late? Like I'm just old now. Instead to say, hey, I got some time left and it's going to be friggin' fantastic uh, is really, really important. Well, also the, the learning too. It's like I said earlier about, you know, learning about ethanol, learning about alcohol. Um, it was, it, you know, as I, I was in my sixties and I, and I, I'd, <laughs> I'd worked in, you know, wine industry and all sorts of things and I had no idea and yeah. so if you think about um you know what you learn about you know about your brain and what you learn about alcohol itself and the brain 
all of that through this methodology, um, no matter what age you are, you know, it, it, it can really work to get you to change mm. um, how you're thinking and how you're reacting and the fact that you can put alcohol behind you. And now what's that going to open up for you? Right. You yes. know, health wise, physically, all sorts of things. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. And like I say, yeah, age, age should not be any barrier here at all. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, we got to wrap up, but I do have one more question for you. I didn't prep you for this one. So this is a curveball <laughs> awesome. question, Lorna. Um, I ask everybody this uh, at the end of their yeah. podcast. Well, not the specific question, um, but here is yours. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> so Bring it on question <laughs> is what did you want to be when you were a kid and why? Oh my goodness. What did I want to be when I was a kid? Um, hmm. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Grade two, uh, Miss Unruh, I wanted to be a teacher. And um, I, it's just because I loved her so much. And we lived yeah. in a, a prairie school, a prairie area uh, in uh, central Canada. And, um, and she was just amazing to me. There wasn't a thing that this woman could do wrong. So yeah, teacher. I love that answer. That's so good. Never uh, did it. <laughs> we kind of do. I mean, that's what we're doing here. That's, do. I'm sure you, I know you educate your clients. Uh, I so totally in a way, do. I think maybe you, maybe you do a bit. Yeah, maybe. Hey, yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, thank yeah. you so much for hanging out. Yeah, with thanks. Me this is today. awesome. Yeah. Um, if people want to find out a little bit more about you, what is your website, Lorna? Where can they go to connect? My with website is at lornawilsoncoaching.com. I love it. Thank you. Very simple. Yeah. And thank you to all of you listening out there. Uh, My name is Scott. I am the head coach of This Naked Mind. I will be back uh, next month with another episode of Coaching Questions. Until then, see you later. Thanks. Are you ready for a deep dive and truly lasting change? If so, you might consider my intensive program. It's a nine-week self-led program that you can do in the complete comfort of your own home, and it will truly transform your relationship with alcohol. If you want to learn more about this, go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash intensive. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.